going back to his head again. This squirrel is going to be the death of us all. Hmm. This squirrel's going to fuck everything up. Uh, yeah, my cat's getting, like, pissed. Saying, like, I moved us downstairs in this downstairs spare bedroom. And it's technically kind of like a basement. So the window is like ground level. And so there's this squirrel that's just chilling on a tree right in front of the window. And it's just sitting there and yelling and taunting my cat. My cat's on the windowsill, um, chattering back. And I tried banging on the window to make the squirrel go away. But I'm pretty sure he, uh, yeah, he just wants to, <laughs> he just wants to fuck with my cat. He just, he literally just keeps looking at Paul and like, and yelling, chattering and, oh, and Paul's making, Paul's fantastic business right now and he's he is gonna knock stuff over yeah oh my god okay I'm moving my water (laughs) did you move did you move that bottle of like carpet cleaner out of the way yeah I did that was on a windowsill from a long time ago oh my god I never went in this room Paul is literally like beating the wall with his tail but since he's got a fluffy tail you can't really hear anything it's just going poof poof he's like bonk 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 Oh my gosh. Oh, he's so cute. Yeah, that's going to be really distracting. (laughs) Which is really like cat code for, I'm going to rip your face off. (laughs) It's going to be great. I'm going to have some of your orange. Yeah, Faith was like about to start. And I went, oh shit, I'm not ready yet. And then I went upstairs to grab something because I felt like I wasn't ready. I wish you'd brought those spicy peanuts. No, they're almonds. Boo. Hmm. But anyway, so I went up there and I'm like, okay, what do I do? I don't feel ready. And so I grabbed a banana and an orange and a little cup of almonds. And apparently that makes me ready. Well, that's what you need to be ready. Little snack. Mm-hmm. I got lightheaded when I talked really fast on the Dear David episode. That was also incredibly spooky. Yeah. Paul's incredibly spooky right now. Him's a good boy. So how's it going? It's going good. Um... Thanks for letting me hang out last night. That was fun. Yeah. Although I literally like fell asleep sitting up. Yep. That's what editing does to you. I came over and I went to bed on your couch. Yep. We were, I was showing her how we edit everything and she just sort of like bonked off at some point. Bonked? Bonk. Huh. Yep. Never heard that one before. (laughs) Oh, also... Mm-hmm. Maybe I should finish chewing my almonds so now y'all is going to get crunch, triggered. Crunch, 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 So, a little public service announcement for those who are cat lovers. They discovered that a lot of cats cannot handle essential oils. There's particular ones that, like, if it gets in their fur, they digest it, or if it soaks into their skin, their livers cannot, like, digest it or process it. This so is coming out of left field. It literally poisons them. Well, you'll see. You'll see. Oh, okay. I checked it out. My friend messaged me about it. I read the article and I messaged mom about it and it listed off eucalyptus. Right. I realized that I've been spraying my furniture, my house with a eucalyptus room spray. I have dear Paul and I care about Paul a lot. Oh, dear Paul. Dear Paul. I care about him a lot more than making my, my furniture smell like a hippie. So without further ado, Faith, you can have my apothecary... (gasps) Patty wax. Oh boy. Verbena and eucalyptus room spray. Don't smell it. Don't smell this, Paul. Oh, oh, Paul, don't step on the keyboard. Oh, hello, Paul. 
Oh, it smells delicious. Did, did the squirrel go away? I don't have. The squirrel cats, finally went away, so. and now he's stepping on oh, the keyboard. Good Is job, it? Paul. It's still recording. Okay. Now he's just whiffing his tail in my face. <laughs> he is definitely causing a fucking ruckus. Oh my god. I'm gonna have to remove him, maybe. Potentially, but then he'll just meow outside the door. Yeah, he likes to be a part of things. Oh. And also, we kind of. For me, it was a late start. We actually left the house at 10. I woke up at like... No, we left the house at like noon. Oh. Yeah. Then that's a hella late start. I was thinking I was being more optimistic. Nope. Well, I mean, I woke up at like 8 o'clock. Then I puttered on my phone. And then once it was like around 9.15 or something, then I called Faith and I woke her up and I let her go back to sleep. Yep. And then I woke her up again. And this time, I ended up just climbing on top of her and taking away her pillows and blankets. And then she, yeah, she basically left me just bare and fucking stranded on the mattress. It was You're like, it's morning time. And I ripped off the blankets and said, you must acclimate to your environment. And I was like, I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, I was glad. I was pretty darn glad. And then we came here and I took immediate action to... uh, Strip down some of the rest of the Christmas stuff that's in my den. Yeah. And that was the only place that was left of Christmas stuff. And then I uh, slightly organized this extra spare bedroom into a mini little <gasps> office. And now we have our own space. We got our own space. And Hooray. it's pretty nice. Wee. Wee. All right. Well, for anybody that doesn't know, welcome to High Quality Nonsense. Yes, welcome. Oh, <laughs> and also Casey's engaged. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I'm engaged. I when I was Ooh. like anybody that doesn't know, she got this look on her face. Like, are you gonna tell them? And then I was just oh, like, oh no, I was I was gonna say like you know in the past episode I was talking about like the shitty email being oh yeah for those of who are still temps and in questioning, we'll let you know. And they let me know. I no longer have a job now, so oh. <laughs> this is this is my life. Yeah, and I made twenty five dollars at work yesterday. Oh, yeah. That's really shitty. Mm-hmm. Is it just in tips or just... Well, no, I still get like my minimum I was just wage, like, but... I was like, oh, my God. I made $25. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm yeah, not so, impressed. <laughs> so with this right here, I mean, I... uh Sucks. But I think uh, what I'm just going to try to do is apply for another call center, aka just become a pirate. Back to Pirate Island with you. <laughs> Back to Pirate Island. <laughs> okay, well... Hmm. That might become a nurse. Mom all of a sudden wants me to be a nurse. Mom has a lot of ideas for what we should do with our lives. Faith needs to be a lawyer. She'd I, be, you would be a really good one. I failed her as a lawyer. Became a bartender. I became a bartender. And then mom first wanted, be, wanted me to be a, a child psychologist. And instead I became a care, like a, a, a representative. Child. Yeah. A, <laughs> a fucking customer care representative. Right. And or you like office customer assistance. Service. Yeah. Paul. Man, he, this table is not big enough. Yeah. Paul's a rather large gray tabby. Well, we think that he might be part Maine Coon. He could be part Maine Coon. This <laughs> fucking animal is gigantic. Him's is a big boy. Him's a big old boy. Him's is the biggest boy of them all. He's not small. Him's not small. And he's got great big fuzzy pants. I wish like cats could pull up their pants, like hike them up. Like if they fall down, wouldn't that be great to watch a cat going <laughs> just hiking up their britches? Yeah, why not? I think that'd be really cute. It would be cute. Yeah, and um, I think 
I was trying to talk to hide the soda opening, but I don't think it Too worked bad. out. It's like when you throw a book on the floor to hide your fart, but then <laughs> <laughs> my fear is the cough fart because it makes the fart even worse. Because so you're like, just like, <laughs> <laughs> wait, you didn't, you do the fart sound. I'll do the cough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's about right. Paul did oh, not like that. Get- now he's trying to hide under my microphone. Yeah. That's not pretty that there's so- much to hide under. No. Hims is not a very good hider. Hims not a good hider. It's because he's so large. You, pr- you should probably let him out. Hims is large and in charge. He's not in charge of anything. You ready for you? <laughs> oh my god. If that cat would bottle feed, Casey would do it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Of course I would. You kidding me? Oh, I didn't, uh... <sighs> I didn't light a candle. I'm sorry. It's okay. Alrighty. Okay. Things are, we still need some, uh, amenities. We've, we've still got some, <laughs> some amenities. Some amenities. Some amenities. Wait, did you hear that? Never mind. I just had like a bubble in my throat that was like vibrating. Oh. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll hear it in playback. Mm. Okay. Well, would you like to go first? I feel like we need to restart our introduction because that was so fucking all over the place. Yeah, it was. You really threw me off with that essential oil stuff. Oh, you're welcome. Oh. So, I mean, I guess uh, for those who don't know, uh, I'm Casey. I'm Faith. And this is High Quality Nonsense. Welcome. 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 Oh, my God. It's <laughs> not that kind of podcast. I just can't keep things fucking kosher. So. <laughs> So, yeah, this is pretty much so we're, we're going to go on random rants, but the main basis is that we tell some stories. Um. Stop. <laughs> I literally just stopped recording so I could be like, hey, can we just like keep an eye out for pretty much so's and ums and likes just so I don't have to and go us. back and get, you know. Yeah, that's why I fell asleep last night is because you were... You were editing, and we I, we got so good at knowing exactly on the sound bar what the ums looked like, the likes looked like, and the uhs, and all of that. Yeah. But don't edit out these ones, because okay. I specifically just said it just for that reason. <laughs> I know. That's why she's like, we tell stories. Um, because I paused, like, right there. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's why I said, um. Cause, Any, anyway. Yeah. Also, well, for those who don't know, we're sisters. Yeah, we're a year and a half apart. And that's probably why we sound alike. She's my best friend. You're my best friend too, sissy. But goddamn. I goddamn. I kind of need a cigarette. Me too. I'm, I mean, I feel like we were not prepared I'm for getting this. grouchy. Yeah, we're not prepared like at all. I'm eating fruit and getting you, grumpy like you, a toddler. Yeah, you're having like snacks and I'm just like literally, okay, I'm literally in pigtails today. I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what compelled me. And I'm in a sloppy bun. I haven't worn a pigtail in forever, but I was just like, today's the day. And now I'm just like sitting here and I'm just like, I, as I continue to say, like, like, like. <laughs> well, like I, pretty much so. I, <laughs> as I told you before, when you paused the camera. As aforementioned. When you said to not say ah, like, or um, or pretty much so, it then makes it worse. I know. She goes, that, you it might make it more self- difficult. And then be- as soon as I hit the record, she goes, um. Well, I did that one on purpose. Just yeah. She's the you. younger sister, everybody. 
So I have <laughs> decided that it becomes worse because you're self-conscious of it. And now I'm going to sound weird all the time trying to not say um like and so on. You literally so on. sound like me right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> like, uh-huh. like, uh, <laughs> like a snob. Yeah. <laughs> I don't sound like that. <laughs> what was it you said that I in the first episode? Exactly. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I was like, oh, pirates, right? And then you touched your chest, put out your hand, and put your face right up next to the mic and went, mm, exactly. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Except when I did that uh, impression with her yeah, last night, I, did, I used my... Diet Dr. Pepper can as the mic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Whispering snobby words into the soda. Uh, well, okay. Um, can we pause and go smoke? Because. <laughs> yep. I'm we gotta, get, we gotta get some music. Like, we gotta make some music. We gotta for make some music. Like do, do you want to try uh, that again? <laughs> We gotta make some music. <laughs> Barbecue sauce. <laughs> what was that weird thing that I said the other day? I was like doing dishes. Oh yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I got this. <clears throat> I gotta wash my pickle jar. <laughs> All right. Let's go hee hee into the wind. <laughs> Okay, All back right. at it again. That was probably like the longest break ever. Yeah, I think when we stopped recording, it was like two, and it is now 8 p.m. Woohoo! Yay! Well, no, it was around, oh no, you're right, because that no, was around like 3.30, maybe. Yeah. Because then I made dinner, and my poor honey came home, and he had a bad day at work. And yeah. Then Faith took a little trip to mom's and visited Zephyruni, her mm-hmm. poppers, mm-hmm. and now we're back. Here we are. Hmm. Um, well, I think we were discussing who wants to go first. Question mark? Question mark. Trailing off. What would you like to do? You want to go first? Doesn't matter to me. Why don't you go first? Okay. 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 <laughs> okay here we go. Here, here we, we go. go. Okay. Here, here we, go. we go. All righty. So this story is about Gloria Ramirez social media or just media in general because this happened in 1994 there wasn't a bunch of social media what they call her on the facebooks <laughs> so it was more or less news in riverside california dubbed her the toxic lady which i found to be kind of unfair but here we go here we, here go. we go here we go all right and i actually wrote out my i i wrote out notes and everything she has i even like stabled it on the side to make it look you know to it's make like it a like report a yeah, it's like a little report. I'm mm-hmm. doing my own school. It's pretty great. <laughs> my own school. Uh-huh. Like I, I worked my last day at my temp job and then went to mom's and immediately drowned myself in research. So I uh, don't feel like a failure. Anyways, <laughs> uh, this, is a metal- this medical case was also the basis of some episodes in popular shows, such as The X-Files. 
Grey's Anatomy and Law and Order. And then there was a bunch more, but those are the only ones that I feel like people would actually know. Law and Order? Yeah, apparently Law and Order did an episode and that was like the basis of this story. Huh. Which Law and Order, they they actually based... This story was the basis for the Law and Order episode. Yeah. Okay. And I was going to say like with Law and Order... At the beginning, it's like this story has nothing to do with any real or whatever. Right. They but, always put that disclaimer where they're just like, these events are fictional and not based at all in reality. Just to put, just which so that I call can't, fucking, like, sue you. I ca- fucking call shenanigans on that because oh, I call complete bullshit. Because I, I've, I mean, first of all, I've watched every single episode. I told somebody the and other day, I told there's, someone the other day that you're completely caught up on Law and Order SVU. Freaking Olivia Benson is my girl. And I was like, they just looked at me and they were like, are you? And I was like, no, I said that right. Casey has seen every single episode of Law and Order SVU. And all of the Star Treks. Oh. <laughs> so. Where do you find the time? Being jobless. Well, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, it was it's more or less, you know, just coming home every day and binge watching like at least five episodes every night. That's dedication. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's my jam. <sighs> Anyways, baby girl. Oh, wait, wrong show. <laughs> baby girl. Yeah, baby girl is off of Criminal Minds. Barbecue sauce. <laughs> Gonna wash my pickle jar. <laughs> All right. That's enough of that. This story was probably considered one of the most bizarre medical cases that California has seen, or at least I should say like Riverside, California. At 8.15 p.m. on February 19th, 1994, Gloria Ramirez was experiencing extreme confusion. Oh, and this is also like, at this point, she's going through final stages of cervical cancer. Right. She is dying. But she was, she was, Sent into the hospital emergency room, experiencing ex- extreme confusion, tachycardia, and Shine-Stokes respiration. So, in uh, in other words, experiencing heart rates that exceed normal resting rate and abnormal breathing. So, once she was brought in, you know, like they bring her out the the ambulance, and um, you know, they have her on the gurney. They roll her in. The ER is prepping her because her heart is. She's about to have a heart attack mm-hmm. um, and she's experiencing so it's like severe tachycardia. Oh, yeah. She's like, oh, my God, help me. Yeah. And she's told like extremely out of it. Um, and at this point, they're trying to like get her into a resting <coughs> state, literally trying to sedate her to calm her down so they can do what they need to do. Right. So with this in the ER, they injected her with diazepam, which is Valium, right. uh, midazolam, which causes sleepiness. and then. The last part is lorazepam, which used to be used before anesthesia is administrated. Um, that way they won't have to use as much, right? you know, anesthesia right. itself. Which I'm all for because general anesthesia scares the shit out of me. Yeah, no kidding. Also, it feels like you blink. They put the gas on you and then all of a sudden you open up your eyes and like you have no idea what it's the hell just happened. It's because they literally like remove so much consciousness from your body that you are like, one or two levels away from death. Yeah, pretty much. Like there's there's several different levels of like brain inactivity where it's like you get you get close to dying. Oh yeah. And it's right there. What I don't like is the cases where they don't administrate enough, but it's enough to like knock you out but you're still awake on the inside. Right. <laughs> I'd be suing. Oh um. yeah. That's why you <laughs> that's why being an anesthesiologist it's like you get paid a ton of money, but also you can never fuck up. No, never. 
That's got to be so, so never high ever pressure job. Oh, well, I mean, besides brain surgery, props to all you anesthesiologists, right? I wonder if people, however many are listening. I wonder if I uh, assume at least five. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would hope so. Want to get a good mix of people out there. Yeah, absolutely. But I feel like maybe even at some point, people that have those jobs and even a brain surgeon while they're in the operating room, they're just like, I am a god. I feel like if I was a surgeon, I would be constantly like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Okay, we're done. <laughs> Can you blink? What's your name? <laughs> um, Count all the fingers and toes. Oh, my God. When that sucky going for brain surgery and the only side effect that you have is that you can't blink. So, what? like, for the rest oh, of your no. life, <laughs> for the rest of your life, you literally have to manually, like, push your eyelid down on each one. How distracting would that be? Oh, God. Or you have to just have, like, yeah. Either that or you have, you have to just eye drop all the time. Oh, God. Okay. Anyways, I mean, that's okay. I feel like that's, that's really not the worst that could happen after brain surgery. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, we got rid of your tumor, but you can't blink. Now you can't blink, but you'll live. Anyway, so they, they inject her with, um, Lara's Pam. And at, at this point, I know that most <gasps> of the time, just Lara's Pam itself is a little bit dangerous. So, like, doctors right. now will use, uh, propofol. P-R-O-P-O-F-O-L. Yep, sounds right to me. Propofol. So it was obvious that, you know, at this point, she wasn't responding poor, like she was responding poorly to treatment. Right. So they start to defibrillate, defibrillate her. Yep. Okay, every time, every time I say defib, you just finished the word. Defibrillate. Yeah. Um, They started doing that. I got lucky with those two. I'm going to lose it later on. (laughs) They start doing it to her heart. And that's when people, you know, when they put the little metal plates and go clear. Yeah. The paddles. The paddles. Did you know defibrillation, it doesn't restart your heart? Because they have people like flatlining all the time. They're always Mm -hmm. like, what defibrillation does is it literally stops your heart so that your heart will basically reset itself. Huh. Like it's turn it off, turn it back on again. Because people usually think that they're like, oh, clear, because it's usually like a dead guy mm-hmm. on the table. Like his heart has already stopped and the TV shows are like, okay, we're going to defibrillate him. No, like you use the defibrillator when the heart motion, like when the heart rhythm is completely off because it turns it off and turns it back on again. Okay, that makes sense because I'm like, okay, You're so like, this, I'm like, this lady mm-hmm. is so far, I'm like looking at it going, I mean, I'm pretty sure she's still alive. Do they just like sh- do that when the people are still alive and the heart is still beating? Yeah. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, it would it would still have to be like incredibly severe tachycardia for them to use a defibrillator. Hmm. Dang. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, she was re- responding poorly to treatment. So right. that's pretty much so what they did. And this is when they noticed an oily sheen covering her entire body. <gasps> like when they had to like remove her clothing, her garments for the little electric pads. They noticed that it wasn't just sweat. It was like a, like a, yeah, like an oily sheen, like <sighs> a, an oil that was um, coming out of her pores. Um, so she's and like it, sweating Crisco. I, yeah, it was like they, they just described it as like an, an oily sheen. Like Ew. it was, it had like texture to it. <laughs> I hate that. I hate everything about that. So they, oh, and they also noticed. There was a garlicky, fruity scent coming from her mouth, like a very strong scent with this right here. I mean, at that point, I'd be like, okay, something else is going on. I feel like these are all very like 
And it's not like this woman was dirty or anything. Like she, she looked like a nice young woman. Right. Like she was, I, it's sad. I think she was 30. Yeah. Which I consider as a nice young woman. Because I, I took a quick peek like at the very beginning of the Wikipedia and she's, she was like 30 years old. So it's yeah. not like she was this, like old crappy, like methed out hag coming in. Like she was a clean looking woman. Yeah. She, she was a very she nice, was very sweet looking lady. Yeah. Very and, sweet. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, you know, they, they're like, okay, well, that's just weird. And they continued on. A nurse, Susan Kay, went to take some blood samples and it, she was withdrawing the blood and she noticed a very strong ammonia-like scent to the blood, like it was coming from the syringe and the blood itself. And, and I keep saying at this point, but she, she then passed the blood point. sample over to a medical resident, Julie G., and Julie saw like a manila colored particles in Ramirez's blood, like in the tube, like floating around in yeah. the blood. So like that pale yellowy brown. Yeah. Like a weird. Um, yeah. Like a. I, and I don't know if it's like crystals or chunks, but manila, she notices it. She notices it like just floating around. Manila is such like a specific color. Like well, it's that, like manila envelopes. Yeah, I know. It's just like such a specific color. It reminds, like, it just makes me think of, like, plaque that builds up on your teeth. Yeah, that's what I think of, too. I think it, it always, like, Blech. when people talk about, like, the plaque that builds up in your arteries, like, Blech. that that is exactly what I imagine it looks like. Just, like, that mucky, Blech. I don't know, like, the, the texture of, like, old chewing gum. Gross. Yeah. Like, if you don't finish your yogurt all the way and you leave it out and it gets mm. kind of crusty. Okay. Okay. Anyways, I'm done with that. <laughs> once she, like, once Julie G. Julie G. Once Shout she, out. yeah. Once she hope sees, you're doing okay. <laughs> I know. I hope you're doing really great. Um, she sees, like, the, the manila color shit in the blood. Right. Floating around. And at this point, like, this is, like, it shit hits the fan. Mm. Um, after she had passed the syringe to Julie G., Susan then fainted. And then was taken away. Shortly after, Julie began to feel ex like extreme nausea and lightheaded and had to like go out of the trauma room and like go sit down. She was sitting down at like a nurse's desk trying to like gather like, herself. Yeah, gather herself. She Ugh. was like breathing and she was like immediately sweating and how still nauseous. That, like, how did you not see? Here's the thing is like, how do you not immediately like make some sort of connection? Yeah. If well, yeah, just, and that's like, what I was going to say. Like, is like, she's you know, got the, fucking chunks in her blood and it smells like cat piss. Yeah. She goes to sit down. Somebody come have a fucking look. <laughs> yeah, she goes to sit down and she's feeling like super nauseous, dizzy. And then another hospital staff comes over going, hey, Julie, are you okay? And before she could even answer, she just collapses on the desk. Like she just faints and she's done. She's down for the count. That's like... And then she gets taken away too. Um... So with that, now two hospital staff have passed out and no one has made the connection yet. And then a respiratory therapist, Maureen W., who was assisting with the patient, was the third one to pass out with the same type of symptoms, you know, due to exposure As to Susan Ramirez. And Julie. Yeah. So, I mean, now so, the doctors and medical staff start making the connection because I guess third time's a charm. Right. <laughs> Um, and it definitely was no coincidence <laughs> from the smell and the odd happenings around Ramirez. The, the staff was then ordered to evacuate all patients out into the parking lot. And while this was happening, other hospital staff near or became in contact with Ramirez 
had either fainted or became nauseous and or had muscle spasms. Muscle spasms? Yeah. I like I don't I don't know. Fainting and then like twitching. I just imagine like when I threw out my back and I had spasms like the pain was just just like (laughs) I literally would be I would get to like a 45 degree angle (laughs) getting up and it would just be like (laughs) and I'm like like, we're okay everything is fine I'm all right. Make that noise again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's literally what it did. It was (laughs) it literally was like if like you've never had like, a muscle, like, like you're trying to pull a truck. If you've never <laughs> thrown out your back before, like the feeling you get when like yeah, when like your clenched, back spasms. I, cl- I clenched my teeth so hard I think they're gonna shatter. Like I uh, it literally it feels, feels like being shocked. Yeah, I was gonna say it feels like a really intense electrocution, but also somebody's punching the shit out of your yeah, lower back. It really back. feels like you're being electrified like right in your spine. Yeah. And that's it's you, typically that's I can try I can kind of sense it coming on and yeah. then I like, try to change position so I end up just going ha 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 yeah <laughs> and then, then, I, then it doesn't happen where I'm like okay cool we're I good. just like we're after good. the fifth time it happened I, I feel like it, it like, shouldn't be happening to us we're I, not that old when when it happened to me I was like 25 yeah maybe that's what I'm saying no, like, I was this like shouldn't 24. be happening to us yeah right? I was like, like 24 is that when it weird happened. Yeah. And so I was just like, after the fifth time it happened, I was just like, well, this is my life. Well, I mean, after your birthday, it's probably going to be happening. Oh, God. Here comes 30. Woo! Here it comes. Here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I Dragon Ball Z'd in here. Oh, my God. Back to the story, Jesus. Um, The story, Jesus. <laughs> Not the story of Jesus. Um, This isn't that so, podcast. I mean, so, while this is all happening, like taking the patients out into the parking lot, you know, and, mm-hmm. and this whole amount of time. I wonder what they told the patients. That's... Like if I were if I were a patient in a hospital, I'd, I'd be like, why am I blame being it on a gas leak? If like, anybody's ever watched Haven, like just blame it on a gas leak. I don't watch enough TV to know what to do. I, I watch everything. I, I just don't like if I were a, a patient, I'd be like, well, what's going on? I don't think they're allowed to tell you like this woman came in and she's right. And that's why I'm like, thinking like they, they might just say like there there's fucking a gas leak. I don't know. That's All what right. I, I would just lie to them being like, you know, they're they're patients. They're sitting in beds. They don't. Who cares? They're going to be fine. And plus, <laughs> it's in California. ER it's patients. not going to be cold outside. So, oh, OK. So while this was happening, all these other people were experiencing, you know, nauseousness, fainting muscle spasms and then in total 23 people became ill and five were hospitalized from this mysterious phenomenon at least they were already at the hospital right you know what i'm saying they're just like third floor gym yeah there you go (laughs) (laughs) so the only people that stayed behind was a skeleton crew um and for those who are like me and had to look up what the fuck a skeleton crew was because i was like oh my gosh that sounds very grim is the skeleton crew like the people that 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 like it's stay behind for the gong of skeletons. I was just well, no, I didn't think of that. I Come just thought like it was and brooms. I just thought it was the people that like only stick around when people are like about to die, or doctors or nurses that are like already terminally uh, ill, just, so they're they're oh about to become God. a skeleton, so they don't care. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, anyways, the skeleton crew is just the the minimum number of personnel to operate or perform a certain task. So, like, a skeleton crew would be, like, the minimum amount of people that would operate a pirate ship. And that's where it came from. Yes. So, anyways, unfortunately, after 45 (laughs) minutes, 
of CPR def- defibrillation. Yep. Ramirez passed away at 8.50. So oh. this, all of this happened in 45 minutes from the time that she came in. She sickened 45 people. Hospitalized no, five 35. of them. 35? It was 23. No, 34. So 23 and then five hospitalized. 23 people were sick and five were hospitalized. Yes. So 28 people. Oh. Why does it say 34? I don't know. Mm. Oh, maybe they're counting the other three? Julie. Well, that still doesn't equal 34. Well, I don't know. Maybe Julie, wrote... Susan, and whoever. Oh, her name was Maureen. But Maureen. I, you know what? Yeah. I, Shout I, out to Maureen. Hope you're doing okay. I hope you're. I hope Susan, Maureen, and Julie are doing fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, so after everything, the DHHS, the Department of Health and Human Services, was called to conduct an investigation because that was all weird. Because it'd be weird if you didn't. Right. Exactly. The two scientists that were assigned to the case, Dr. Anna Marie Osorio and Kristen Waller, they interviewed all 34 staff that was there that was there on February 19th when Ramirez was brought into urgent care. Within their investigation, they found that the people who had been affected the most and those who had only been within two feet of the patient and or had handled the patient's intra- mm-hmm. intravenous lines. Interve- yeah, intravenous. Intravenous lines. It means anything that comes out of your veins. Right. Or goes into your veins. Right. However, those who were affected that did not match this scenario were more women than men and all Mm. had normal blood tests after exposure. So in other words, they thought literally all the ladies that were involved were just nuts. And then eventually, once they were just like, oh, you know what? So many people were totally fine. So we we think that these other people that were like hospitalized were fine too. So So they pretty much just chalked it up to mass hysteria, which I find to be lazy. So Julie, Susan, Maureen faint. Julie was hospitalized. Right. And then the other people who were affected were mostly women. Was it mostly women or all women? Uh, They said that most of the people affected were mostly women. Most of the people affected were mostly women. Okay. I'm going to assume that most of the people affected were women. Yeah. (laughs) 80% women. That was my point. Yes. (laughs) Anyways, I'm 90% so, woman. So they just literally like <laughs> the scientists Most were just like, um, it's mass hysteria. So it's like, girls, Thanks am I lot. right? Girls. Wow. <laughs> Women, am Fucking I right? Doctors, we're dude. just, we're just all going crazy. I have such a problem. Somebody sneezed. We all have colds now. Um, well, I mean, that's not very far off. Mm. I mean, <laughs> anyway, so like at this for, with for, a sneeze for this fuck doctors. Julie G was okay. not impressed and no, with the investigation is. and we need them. Go ahead. Yeah, that was really uh, that was uh, You weren't letting me finish. You're just saying fuck doctors like And what? then I took it back. Okay. I had to. I mean, I need I'm going to need doctors. We all need them. I can't afford them. Neither can I, but I'm sure if I had like a fucking knife stuck in my face, I'm sure I would need a doctor. I don't know when that's going to happen, but it might. So anyways, I'm going to go back to this story so you don't have to do a bunch of editing. How about that? I'm doing this for you. So Julie G, she was not impressed by the investigation work and she was pretty much so like, oh, hell no. Like, I am not crazy. It was no mass hysteria. And she then provided them the following, like pretty much so her medical history because she then spent the following two weeks in intensive care and also like pointed out her medical history after the exposure. 
This included um, breathing problems, uh, the development of hepatitis and a vascular necrosis in her knees. And for those of you, if you're like me, you have no idea what that means on like, I guess, necrosis of the knees. I looked it up and it is... Your muscles deteriorate. Yeah, your bone tissue dies due to the, you know, interruption of blood supply. So anyways, it's okay though. Julie ended up filing a huge lawsuit with the hospital. Um, whopping six million buckaroos right there. She win? I don't know. I tried finding it and it didn't say. I mean, I feel like she won since, I don't know, all this happened. And then the hospital had DHHS just pretty much so tell her that she's crazy. Yeah. Like that would be pretty insulting. Yeah, to have nothing in your medical history and then all of a sudden you get hepatitis and vascular necrosis around your knees. Right. And then be told that you're crazy. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> so with that being said, Riverside Coroner's Office contacted Lawrence Livermore National L- Laboratory to check that shit out. So they did a separate investigation. And after examining the body, they postulated, which is a fancy ass word of meaning assuming as to what happened. Definition of postulate, by the way, is suggest or assume the existence, fact, truth of something as basis for reasoning, discussion, or belief. Assumed. Yeah. Live your truth. (laughs) Uh, Livermore Labs postulated that Ramirez had been using dimethyl sulfoxide, which is also known as DMSO, a powerful degreaser as a home remedy for pain. I didn't know this and me and Faith talked about it. I guess what people would do as like a home remedy for pain is literally take this like gel-like substance, dilute it with water and inject it into wherever they feel pain. I have no idea if that is truly a thing or not. Uh, I think Faith is about to look it up just to double check, but they essentially find that in her blood, in Ramirez's blood. She has this DMSO degreaser built up. They speculate, I made sure to underline that, they speculated that the DMSO might have had, you know, built up in her system, causing a urinary blockage as to what caused her kidney failure. So with the oxygen that was given to her at the hospital, along with the buildup of DMSO, it would have created DMSO2. The real scientific name for it is is something that I can try to pronounce, but I know it will fail just for you all. Um, So (laughs) (laughs) DMSO2 is kind of a transformation into methylsulfon methyl methyl sulfony methane and yeah i also looked up and it is a key ingredient to meth yeah i so okay i just looked up dimethyl salt salt dmso dimethyl sulfoxide dmso methyl sulfoxide it's also known as 67685 methyl sulfinyl methane there's like 50 billion names for it. There's a WebMD page for DMSO now. Oh, WebMD. Oh, WebMD. So uh, people must be doing this shit. Somebody's, somebody's fucking with it. Okay. Dimethyl sulfoxide is a highly polar, highly polar organic liquid that is used widely as a chemical solvent. So it's like paint thinner. Ew. Because of its ability to 
penetrate biological membranes. It is used as a vehicle for topical application of pharmaceuticals. So it's used as paint thinner, basically, but also... People use it on their skin to get a fast reaction. People use it to drive medication into their skin. It's also used to protect tissue. And this, uh, I'm at a website that's like pubchem.50billionthings.gov. It's like it also it's also used to protect tissue during cryopreservation. It's like oh my god. So dimethyl sulfoxide shows a range of pharmacological activity, including analgesia and anti-inflammation. Analgesic is like um anal. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) It's a pain reliever. Oh, analgesic is pain reliever. So apparently, this has been like I think what probably that happened is somebody was like receiving dimethyl sulfoxide in a cancer treatment Hmm. as a pain reliever. And then somebody else saw it at like Home Depot and they were like, this is a shit my doctor gives me. And then just started buying it from there. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what happened in this case scenario. And also everybody remember, you know, Ramirez wasn't a fool or anything. She was she was in a lot like her. She was on her way out with end stage cancer. Yeah, she was end stage cancer. So, I mean, at that point, if, you know, you got to do what you got to do to live a happy life, mm-hmm. no matter how long or how short you got left. Right. And if it's going to be short, you might, what, might as well be pain free. Let's be honest. I suppose so. But I mean, maybe she just put too much in there. I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. Um, so uh, anyways, let's see. They think that the oxygen in her blood system mixed with the DMSO and transformed it to DMSO2, which is also known to crystallize in the room temperature. With that being said, they believe that, you know, that's what the manila colored particles in the blood were. Right. Because they went from extracting blood from like a warm 90, like 96.2 temperature body and then brought it into the, you know, trauma room in a tube, which was like 64 degrees. So that was enough to like crystallize it. Um, However, they also speculated or postulated that (laughs) from it being the DMSO2 in her system with that oxygen that mixed in now, like pure oxygen getting into her system and the electroshock that was, you know, pretty much so to reset her heart had then formed it to DMSO4, which which at this point is um, dimethyl sulfate, a Pretty much so it's a bad toxic sulfuric acid as to which exposure to this could cause some of the reported symptoms that the hospital staff or, um, you know, were experiencing or maybe us ladies are just crazy. What? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they were just like, it's mass hysteria. It's nothing like there's nothing wrong here. Oh, that just got thrown on so casually at the end. <laughs> like, or maybe, maybe us, like, maybe us like, women are just crazy. Methyl, blah, 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 blah. Or maybe we're just crazy. <laughs> um, so, sorry, I keep saying, um. <laughs> so they think with all of this and the temperature change and the removing of the blood and everything that that's what caused this. That's like their best guess is what happened and what caused this reaction. However, I want to know is, okay, so if DMSO4 is formed in her body, 
is it that her pores were like then pouring out the the gases from the sulfuric like the toxic sulfuric acid or was it just like the the process of extracting it from the veins and having the blood samples and whoever touched the blood samples yeah there's still so much that they don't know they've pretty much so have just been given like educated guesses to us and doctors and scientists are really good guessers when it comes to stuff that can't be completely proven and they're also really good at telling us why their their guess is the best guess oh yeah so a lot of chemists have actually kind of found it implausible and found it argumentable that that this would be the cause for such medical chaos like people fainting and everything like that um they don't believe that the events would have made the conversion of dsmo or dmso to dmso2 the only argument that the livermore scientists had is that it would have happened on some level but they didn't say that it would happen on like that extreme of a level and would have caused so many effects in so many people. They just said like it, it could have happened on some sort of level. Right. That would have happened. Um, so at this point, there is two theories that were scientifically sound on some level. And it was one mass hysteria or DMSO Pokemon evolution. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's frustrating to think that no one would have been able to prove anything, not even for Gloria Ramirez or nor the hospital staff. But I do want to, yeah, I do want to touch base again on the title the toxic lady this was just a woman that was you know fighting the good old fight with cancer and just doing her best and i don't think that she should just be remembered as like the urban legend of the toxic lady of riverside california her name was gloria ramirez and she seemed like a very nice kind lady just by even just by the looks of her if you look her up it's gonna show like you know a beautiful hair first of all beautiful shiny black hair and I think she was wearing a yellow headband and just you know pretty smile she looked happy and lively yeah so but that was the story I thought that was really strange and then there's still no real explanation it's just a lot of guesses but now I'm gonna look back on x-files you know I should do I should watch all the x-file episodes oh my god well at least there's not as many of those how long was x-files on for I feel like a while a while thank you Hold on. Let's, One while. Let's check it out. One while. I wish Alexa was in here. She would tell me what a while would be. <laughs> Alexa. What's a while? She'd be like, a while is longer than a moment. I'd be like, fuck you. Alexa. Nine seasons. That's I a while. did not think it was on for that long, honestly. Uh, it was the first show of its kind, and it got a cult following. My soon-to-be sister-in-law um, on Adam's side. Well, yeah, it's not on my side. Mm. I mean, like Adam's dad. Anyways. All right. So somebody, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Jennifer and then her husband. And they're both, they both really enjoy X-Files. So just wanted to give them a shout out. Shout out. A shout out. And she also has probably like the cutest (laughs) children in the world. Literally, her daughter is just like this tiny little pudgy potato of cuteness. Was the first baby that I one really truly enjoyed holding because you know a potato, I know a potato. Wow, yeah, it's, she's pretty great. Yeah, I actually enjoyed holding her. Most babies I hold, I'm just like, oh god, like what's gonna happen? I like, like it's napping with babies. I heard that's a really nice thing to do. It is really babies. nice. You lay down like, in a recliner with a baby, it's and it's a little hot potato on your I'll chest. Just fucking yeah, we're both out. Good to know. Yeah, 
you ever need me to fall asleep for any period of time for any reason. Yeah. Well, I wish Paul would act like a baby and just fall asleep. He is your baby. I know, but like he doesn't, like he's not going to fall asleep on my tummy or anything like that. Maybe. If anything, he's going to come up and like bite my nose. He's cool like that. Okay. Tell me your story. Your tale of vengeance. Well, I've actually already heard this story once before on a couple different sources. Uh, I want to say that I think I remember hearing it off of lore, but I'm not sure. I Man, know. that guy covered a ton of stuff. Yeah. It's been done on That's Why We Drink. It's been done on My Favorite Murder. It's been done I haven't on, even listened to that I think Not Another True Crime did it. It's been done in a lot of places, but if you don't know, now you know. So here we go. If you don't know, now you know. So here we go. Just thought I would repeat it because it sounded cool. Sorry. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> said it and then she gave me like the dirtiest look well, ever. yeah, because I, I just said that. My bad. I'm grumpy. Hmm. Anyway, Casey actually printed out a bunch of notes on this story. Um, she was kind of going over some some different options kind of like what we were going to do today and uh she i read the thing and uh <gasps> sorry i just got an idea go ahead oh and david was like isn't that kind of like a revenge story in case he was like do you want this story and i was like i actually really kind of like this story so <laughs> i've heard it like several different times and i i always like i always feel a certain way like a different way every time anyway the story is about the papon sisters which is P-A-P-I-N. Oh, and also I want to mention, I think that she should have done the story from the beginning because there's no way in hell that I'm going to pronounce any of these French words correctly. I know, she's like and trying Faith to actually like read it out French to me in, and she's in just school. like, <laughs> she's like, Papin, Pippin, the Papin sisters. And like, I'm just like, Genevieve knows jean Vierre. <laughs> Pepin, yeah. Well, it's um, P-A-P-I-N. All right, so Christine Pepin and Leah Pepin were born in, uh, Christine in 1905 and Leah in 1911. They were, they are French, two French sisters. When, let's start at the beginning. So they were born in Le Mans. Uh, Their mother was not very motherly. Go ahead, this is your story. Thanks. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Born in Le Mans. So Le Mans is actually famous. I don't know if you've ever heard of like a Buick Le Mans, but Le Mans, France was actually made famous for car races. But that's like the only thing they're famous for. And now this. So they were born to Clemence Dare and Gustave Papon. And Christina Leah came from uh, pretty shitty beginnings. So there's three sisters total. Uh, the first one is Amelia. She's the oldest sibling. Uh, we don't have to really worry about her. She became a nun. She got out of there, man. She got out of there. She got the fuck out. So Clemence is pregnant again with Christine. She gives birth to Christine. Almost immediately, they just give her to her father's sister. So Gustav's sister takes Christine. And she's totally stoked to have her. So Christine goes to uh, her father's sister. Five years later, Leah is born and immediately again goes to another family member. They go to, she goes to her uncle, which is her, her mother's brother. Not really. So different sources that I've read said different things. So some of them said that Leah lived with her uncle until he died or until 
he didn't want her anymore. The only thing I could see about Christine was like she lived with her aunt for like seven years. And then like both girls ended up going to uh, what is called in several different stories a Catholic orphanage. But they both very much so have like contact with their parents. Nobody actually says why they went to. So they keep describing it as like an orphanage where when it really just it sounds like, yeah, like Catholic school, like a convent in training. Right. We're just like, we're really not sure. Anyway, Christine wants to be uh, a nun. So she wants to follow in her sister's footsteps and she wants to be a nun. So at some point her mother finds out because, like I said, they're still like in contact with her mother, even Mm -hmm. though Christine was basically sent to this school when she was seven. Yeah. And lived there. So we're not really sure. Like, and she was flourishing. So they're teaching her to cook and clean at this Catholic quote unquote orphanage. And eventually Leia joins her. We're not sure why or how either one of them got there. But we know that they, they had training in a, in a Catholic nunnery for, for all intents and purposes. So Christine wants to be a nun. Her mother finds out. And her mother was described as a woman of loose morals and not fit to be a mother. There was a lot of people saying that she was growing unstable. She was basically slowly slowly losing her mind. And their father was a deep alcoholic. It was probably honestly the best place for them. However, uh, Christine was basically described as being rude at times, but overall a hard worker. The sister's mother basically forbids them from becoming nuns, more or less presses them into getting jobs with the intent to like send all of their money back to her. Grave it, train. Right. She was like, you are going to go find jobs as maids and you're going to bring my my money back to me. Emilia went to go be a nun. So Clemence is not making any money off of her. She's like, I'm not going to let two cash cows get away. You know what I mean? Um, All right. Christine was described as a hard worker and a good cook who could be insubordinate at times. Not long after Leia was born, she was given to her maternal uncle, yada, yada, yada. Leia was considered to be less intelligent than her sister, Christine. As Christine and Leia grew older, they worked as maids in various Le Mans homes. They preferred to work together whenever possible. Okay. So we're going to fast forward to... 1926 where Christine is uh, Christine is 27 and Leah is like 21 so Christine and Leah go to work as living maids at uh, basically what is like an upper middle class home in France occupied by the Lancelin family so not Lancelin it's not Lancelin 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 Okay. Last song. Last long. Last long. Okay. So they owned a nice house and the sisters were supposedly well provided with food, decent accommodation, and reasonable payment for all those years. The sisters were praised for their hard work and dedication to keep the Lancelon residence all in order. Christine and Leia displayed odd behavior. They tended to be quiet and reclusive, focused on only one another. It was alleged later that they were uh, sexually involved with each other Mm. as sisters. They are in the house of Monsieur René Lancelin, 
who is a retired lawyer. He lives in Le Mans with his wife, Madame Leonie, and one of their two daughters, Genevieve. Apparently, they had two daughters, but Genevieve was the only one that stuck around. Probably well, got like married and moved. They had two daughters, though. Yeah, but wasn't the other one like married and had her own family and lived oh, somewhere else? True, could be. That could be. Let's see. Okay, so Leonie, Genevieve, and Renee. So Renee is the uh, master of the house. The sisters barely spoke to them or spoke to him during the entire seven years that they were at uh, Rue Bruyere. So they usually took all of their orders from Leonie, who was basically like obsessed with having a perfectly kept house. So things kind of devolved. So for the first few years, things were great and they kind of like, they started like warming up to her and, you know, even though they were very reclusive and they didn't really like go out during their breaks, they didn't really like do anything besides just like hang out in their room. They were, they were getting closer and closer to basically like the madam of the house. Um, and she eventually was found out that they were like sending all of their money back home to their mother. And she, eventually uh she found out she called their mom and she was just like shit's up we're done i'm not having these women send their money to you anymore gravy train has ended motherfucker yeah so she was just like you can't you can't be doing that so she urged the girls to keep their own money and stopped basically and and was just like don't don't send that to them anymore she ticket checked their mother to see if she uh belonged on the gravy train she ticket checked. Mm-hmm. And uh, their mom did not have a ticket. She got off on the next stop. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Shaft. All right. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So, but basically, after a few years, things just really started to kind of go downhill to the point that Leonie became basically just like she would get irrationally angry about small things like she would put on white gloves and do the white glove test she got to the point where she was if the girls were missing things she would like pinch them by the ear and like force them down to their hands and knees to like to scrub harder or get a spot that they missed christine was the cook and she would constantly be screaming at her about something she didn't cook right or something didn't taste good and so she would basically just insult christine who you know, from all accounts, kind of seemed like she had a, an inflated sense of pride for being a maid. Leia was more timid and shy. So it got to the point where even Leia was like, next time that happens, I'm, I'm going to defend myself. Next time she, she puts her hands on us because it came to the point where Leonie was like bashing their heads into walls because they weren't doing a job that was like up to her level. It sounds terrifying. Yeah, it sounds fucking awful. You have to, like, live with this person. So anyway, on February 2nd, 1933, basically the entire family was supposed to be gone for the whole day. So Rene left for his office in the morning, which he's retired, so I don't know where he's going, but he went to the office. Leonie and Genevieve went shopping, and basically they were all supposed to go to someone's house afterwards. They were supposed to go to, like, a friend's a house party. for dinner. Yeah. So the maids, the girls, the sisters were not expecting anybody to be home. At about 5.30, Leonie and Genevieve stopped at home, probably like drop off their stuff from shopping. I don't know. But they come home at 5.30 and the house is completely dark. 
So the house has like three levels, I think, or two levels. But there's a, a point at which like the stairs have a landing where it goes yeah. like up one half a level and then like turns and that's like you go up the other level. So there's this large landing right there. So they go up to the landing. Christine meets them on the landing and it and she's like, why is it dark? And Christine says it. Why is it dark? The, why? <laughs> so Leonie's like, why the fuck is it dark in here? So Christine says, I was doing some ironing. I plugged in this iron and it shorted the fuse and the whole house went dark. So they had just picked up that iron from the repairman that day, brought it home, plugged it in. It and shorted it and it shorted the fuse. So, so obviously not their fault. Yes. But when the repairman initially said that he didn't find anything wrong with the iron, they still made Christine and Leah pay for it. <gasps> Rude. I know. So basically, this woman is becoming more and more like abusive and kind of like becoming unstable, just basically taking everything out on the girls. Yeah. It was and... said that like she was suffering from depression and stuff, right? Right. So yeah, it sounds like she is basically just like super frustrated with her own fucking issues and is becoming like abusive and projecting it onto Christine and Leia. So Christine and Leia have already like, basically, they were unwanted by their parents. Christine and Leia have always already been in this horrible situation at home. Their father is a drunken asshole. Their mother is a money-hungry, absentee bitch. And I would assume, I mean, I could be wrong, but I've heard that Catholic nuns are not very kind. They've Yeah, and then... Especially Christine, back in the day. Christine has been raised by Catholic nuns since she was seven. Yeah. Leah, I think, lived with the nuns also from the time she was seven until she was 15 when she could work. So the girls have been basically maids for other people. Their mother has been shuffling them from job to job to job to find the highest paying job so that they could make more money for her. Mm-hmm. Shit's just kind of like hitting the fan today. So Leonie's like, you got to pay for the iron repair. And she flies into a violent rage when she figures out that the iron tripped the fuse. So Leonie's, Leonie basically is, is like yelling and screaming and, and attacking comes to Christine to attack her. Christine, it is really, it's really weird because somebody, some people are saying like Christine attacked Madame. And then, like, Leah comes down just as Genevieve is coming up, and Leah attacks Genevieve. The daughter. Yes. The daughter's name is Genevieve. It's basically like Christine and Leonie, Madame Leonie, are on the landing. Genevieve is downstairs. Leah is all the way up in the attic in the bedroom in her, in the maid's quarters. But then she hears this and comes down. So then she hears her sister basically being attacked by Madame Leonie. Then Genevieve hears Christine attacking her. And so everybody meets up on the landing. And from there... Yeah, because didn't, like, Christine was just like, okay, I had enough, and then just started defending herself? And she just fucking snapped. Yeah. So Leah comes down, and she's trying to fend off Madam. And at that point, they're in this huge tussle, and Christine shouts out, gouge out her eyes. Yeah, because now it's like, Leah and Christine are, are are fighting. Are fighting. The with, other two ladies of the house. Yeah. So Leah fucking does it. I'm going to kill her. Gouge so, out her eyes. Yeah, she's like, gouge out her fucking eyes. And so Leah just fucking does it. Like, Christine uh, has so much power over her sister that she tells Leah to gouge out somebody's eyes. And Leah's like, yeah, sure, how many? And they, I think they get Leonie's eyes first, and then they go after Genevieve. At one point, 
either Leah or Christine goes and finds uh, what they're calling a heavy pewter pitcher. So they're basically, they've basically found a pitcher made of like cast iron and they crack Christine over the head and then they hit Jean Viev. So basically, not Cr- Christine, but no, sorry, Leonie. So they hit Leonie and then they hit Jean Viev. These, the women are like pretty much goners by now. Right. If you get hit with a cast iron anything over the head hard enough, it cracks your skull. Well, and also losing your eyes isn't... They've also you know, left trip her. to the yeah, park. They've also lost their eyes. It's like the most epic cat fight in the world. Yeah, basically. Except for it turns into something Except the fight nuts. turns into murder. Right. So... Sorry if I... Spoiler alert. <laughs> hey, spo- people die. <laughs> so, basically, Leonie and Genevieve are disabled at this point. Their eyes have been torn out. And either Leah or Christine goes to the kitchen and brings back a knife and hammer and uh they both continue to basically just completely obliterate the heads and faces of jean and leone for about 30 minutes of just constant bashing and ripping and cutting and and it's even though they were dead obviously like a long time ago they were dead they just continue to go like fucking berserker don't know what the fuck they're doing i wish i hadn't but i did see the pictures didn't one of them explained that it was like preparing a rabbit meal recipe that they saw in like a cookbook so no so what they did okay so what they did was they basically they bash in their heads their faces are completely gone after that uh Jean-Viev was on her period and so they lift up both of their skirts basically up and over their heads and i don't like know just humiliating just completely corpses. humiliating them. yeah so they lift both of their skirts up and over their heads. They use Genevieve's menstrual blood to basically baste. Okay, you don't have to describe it like that. We could probably like... Um, well, they paint... They basically, they're like... They just they're smear like it. painting it onto her mother. And then they're trying to cut pieces of her legs and buttocks off. Because they want to prepare it like a rabbit dish. Ugh. So she tells Leah to go and like get her cookbook. And because she, she wants to like prepare her leg like like a rabbit dish that she read about that she wanted to try. What the fudge? So Christine's, yeah. So they're, they're using this knife to basically like, after they've covered her legs in her daughter's menstrual blood, she's like trying to like carve pieces off and eventually they like give up. I don't know. The fuck? Yeah. So. You know that thing where you're about to throw up where you've got like a little like cold spit in your mouth? Yep. Yeah. The deadly water mouth. So. Good lord. Okay, so when they're so they get done doing it, they decide they're not going to cook uh the legs of their mistress and they clean themselves up. They go up to the room. They get ready for bed. They, they don't essentially leave. like clean up like the mess a little bit. They gather themselves and go upstairs. Yeah. They basically just like they bathe themselves. They lock themselves in their room. They locked all the doors in the house. Yeah. Every door in the house was locked. When Mr. Lancelong got home, Monsieur Lancelong, when he got home, he couldn't even get into his own house. So he's, he's sitting there knocking at the door, knocking at the door, knocking at the door. Uh, the maids aren't there to answer. Obviously, Genevieve and Leonie aren't going to answer. So he thinks to himself, like, oh, they must be at the party. Right. Yeah. And then hours later. So it's not like, they, like this got done. They went and cleaned up and they went upstairs. And then it's just like, and, and at that moment, they came in. Like. It was these women were sitting there for dark in the like in the dark for hours. And then basically when Rene couldn't find his wife or daughter, 
he broke into his own house. The first thing they saw was one of the eyes like hanging out on the floor. And then on the landing were Leonie and Jean-Viev basically in a pool of blood. What they assume is Leonie and Jean-Viev. So this man walks in and basically like, I don't even know if they saw their faces at first. Because like, um, sorry, I know this is your story. It's okay. I know. Uh, I know it's your story and I apologize. But I think because what I read also is that on. So he goes like, you know, uh, Renee, he goes to the party and he's just like, oh, they might they must be there. He shows up. They're not there. So he grabs one of his friends from the party to come back. Right. And what they see, you know, they're banging on the door and they look up and they see like a light shining through the servant quarters like upstairs oh that's true because i read they had a balcony in like a, yeah they were i read a balcony, they were which given is like a, huge, a balcony like a pretty big thing to give to servants so with that right there they were just like okay obviously they're home so they start panicking and they call over like a policeman that's just like you know when one that like walks around the streets they're you know they keep the peace so they grab him and as uh renee and the policeman are banging on the front door his friend scales the garden wall and goes around the back, and then that's when his friend looks through the window and sees the fucking eyeball. They kind of break in that way, and it's the police officer and the the friend that goes in. Oh, okay. And they're yep. just like, oh, yep. damn, you don't want to see this, Renee. Shit's bad. Yeah, so basically, the front door is bolted shut from the inside. Together with the policemen, they responded to the Lancelin home where the police were able to make entry to the home by climbing over the garden wall. So Genevieve... One of her eyes were found on the stairs and the other one was found underneath her. So basically she had been like rolled over onto her own eyeball. Madame Lancelin, Madame Leone, her, both of her eyes were just found in her scarf. Just like draped into her scarf. So like in the pictures of like the crime scene, like the pictures of what happened, they're basically like they're wearing is what's like a bunch of long skirts. And then like uh like a blouse and a cardigan and a scarf. So it's just very like it was very casual. So I mean like if you're thinking of like an infinity scarf around her neck, that's exactly what it was. She's wearing like this pashmina and her eyeballs are just rolling around in it. Yeah. It's just tangled up in there. So not that you could see her eye sockets anymore because those her entire face was gone. They think that the sisters were so they don't know that the sisters are in their room at this point. They think the same thing has happened to them. So they know that there's a light on in the service quarters, but they don't know what's going on. So they go up there, they knock, nobody says anything, the door is locked. They go and get a whole ass locksmith to come and get this door. And that takes fucking time. Like somebody's like, contact the locksmith, have a locksmith come over here with his tools. We're going to get the door open. So this guy's like picking the lock, getting the door open. I feel like at that point, I would just be bashing the door down the entire time, right? You found two heavily mutilated bodies and you can't just like kick the door in. But maybe, I mean, maybe it's a really heavy door. I just like, for some reason, I picture like a rackety old, like, because it's the servants' quarters. So for some reason, like, just I like assume a little freaky door that's that made it's, like, by a bunch of The door of to like an outhouse fours. almost. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an old hillbilly door that I just assume like they, they like, can easily like just pry the two by fours yeah, off of the I'm, door. <laughs> yeah. But apparently it's like a real door. A, a real door. A real door. So they have a locksmith come and do it. The entire. So basically they're up there the entire time, but they haven't made a single noise to like reveal that they're in there. Right. You know? 
Because I'm pretty sure they're like listening. They're it's probably just they're like, like they're like sitting in there and being like, uh, well, I hope well, they can't get it open. We're, yeah. Right. Maybe they'll give up and go away. So they open the door. Inside, the sisters are in one bed together, naked. And nearby on a chair, there is a bloody hammer with, it says, with hair still clinging to it. But I'm pretty sure there was more than just hair on it. Yeah, I heard it was like brain matter. Yeah, it's probably like skull fragments and shit. They immediately confess. Like, they're immediately just like, we did it. Which is nuts to me. I just feel like, I don't know. I feel like if I was like full on crazy and I snapped, I would have been like, there is a madman. He came in. (laughs) Right. Well, like, they didn't have DNA testing back then. You basically could lie your way out of a murder if it was convincing enough. Pretty much. And, like, at this point, like, nobody would ever suspect a woman of committing murder like that. Right. So they would have been, like, if she had said, this crazy man was after us, we got his hammer, and it's not like they could go DNA test the hair or be, like, or check for fingerprints or, you know, do any of this other shit. Like, they could have just been, like, this man came into the house and he was nuts and we uh, he dropped his hammer and here it is right so uh, they confess immediately they were placed in prison and separated from each other christine became extremely distressed that she could not see her sister and she just started acting out she was apparently like bashing her own head against walls she would not eat sleep or drink they so they so they let her see Leah. Oh, yeah. Didn't she, like, try to claw out her own eyes? Yeah. She starts trying to, like, claw out her own eyes. They got to put her in a straitjacket. So they let her see Leah. Uh, Christine throws herself at Leah and basically starts making, like, sexual advances at her. She's, like, trying to get, like, Leah's blouse off. And she's, like, please say yes. And I'm thinking to myself, like, are these unsupervised visits? Right. That's what I was thinking. Or is she so fucking crazy that she just doesn't care who's in the room? I think she's crazy because I just remember reading that she just keeps saying it over and over and over again. Right. And she was she was begging, please say yes. So suggesting that they had a uh, uh, an incestuous sexual relationship. Uh, She then made a statement to the investigating magistrate in which she said that on the day of the murders, she had experienced an episode like the one she had just had in prison. And this is what precipitated the murders so she basically told him i'm crazy i i tried to gouge out my own eyes so then i gouged out their eyes and i had this episode so initially they appointed three doctors to do psychological evaluations to determine their mental state they basically concluded that they had no mental disorders and basically said they were sane. They were just criminals. Well, yeah, because, I mean, they kind of put that together being like, okay, they committed the crime, but then they calmly cleaned up after themselves. Right. So they concluded that there was no pathological mental disorder. I think to myself, like, can't you be crazy and also clean up? And also very, like, exacting and calculated. I think so. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I I think they're looking more for, like, the uh knowing the difference between like right and wrong right so the medical testimony given during the trial in september of 1933 stated that there was a history of mental illness in the family their uncle commit suicide and their cousin was living in an asylum they also believed that christine's affection for her sister was based on family ties not an incestuous relationship Hmm. it sounds pretty fucking creepy to me it just sounds weird. So yeah, I think that Christine is probably that crazy. 
So after the trial, it took jurors only 40 minutes to determine that the sisters were incredibly guilty. Leah was thought to be under the influence of her older sister and given a 10-year sentence. Like they said before, like, they didn't think Leah was that intelligent. And they were like, oh, well, Christine's the outspoken one. So she probably convinced Leah to do it. So they only give Leah 10 years. Initially, Christine was sentenced to death at the guillotine, which in 1933, I thought that Public like... Public execution in La Mans. Apparently, they didn't know about electric chairs yet. Like, they hadn't thought of that yet because it's 1933 and they're still using guillotines. Right. Well, and I think I remember there's actually, I forget what, which, which, what era this is, but they do mention the very last public execution that was in France. Mm -hmm. And it was at a time that was actually very shocking. When was it? I think they said it was around like the 40s or like later 40s. Wow. Yeah. And then that was the very last one because people literally went into... Uh, a a crazy ass frenzy just a crazy frenzy where people were then like mobbing the whole area grabbing like pieces of the dead guy's clothing stuff like that like getting articles and then they were like soaking up the dude's blood with net like with tissues like so that they could save it as a souvenir what the fuck yeah so like you know obviously the French government were just like, okay, never again. Sorry, everyone. That was fucked up. <laughs> All right. So this actually isn't very far off because this was in 1933. So it took them 40 minutes. They said that they were guilty. So she was initially sentenced to death at the guillotine uh, and they just commuted that to life in prison. She did not last long in prison. Her condition deteriorated rapidly once they were apart. She experienced bouts of depression and madness, eventually refusing to eat. Prison officials transferred her to a mental institution in Rennes, hoping that she would benefit from professional help. Still separated from Leah, she continued to starve until she died of uh, cachexia, which is just wasting away. Yeah, she, so she killed herself she, by not eating She killed drinking. herself slowly over uh, four years. So Leah did quite a bit better. Uh, she only served t- eight years of her 10-year sentence. She was released in 1941, and she lived in the town of Nantes. Uh, Nantes? Nantes? Do Nantes. it, Faith. I don't know anymore. <laughs> and then she was joined by her Nantes. mother. Nantes? 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 It could be anywhere. She lived in France. Uh, she was joined by her mother and earned her livelihood as a hotel maid uh, by assuming a fake identity. Uh, some accounts believe Leah passed away in 1982. However, French film producer Claude Ventura claims to have discovered Leah living in a hospice center in France in 2000 while creating the film Enquête de Sour Papon. Uh, Looking the, for the Papon sisters. In search of the Papon sisters. The woman he claimed to be Leah had suffered a stroke, which had rendered her partially paralyzed and unable to speak. This woman passed away in 2001. I like how they're not like... They can't confirm if it was Some accounts believe she passed away in 1982. This guy thinks she was over here. So even though the sisters were deemed sane and fit to stand trial, the psychological community struggled and debated over a diagnosis of the two. After much consideration, it was concluded that the sisters suffered from something called folie à deux, which is basically shared madness. 
or like a shared paranoid disorder. So it occurs when groups or pairs of people are isolated from the world. They develop paranoia and basically one partner originates this paranoia. Paranoia? Yeah, that's, I, that's what I said. So Christine basically originated this paranoia and it was so incredibly strong that it basically spread to Leia as well um, based on the fact that Christine was so much more like had so much more like personality than Leia did. Yeah. So well, and then also at the beginning, you have to remember that they did state that like they believed that Christine was smarter than Leia. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, and they kept Leia saying was like meek and Leia kind was of like stupid, below like, average intelligence, and she you know wasn't got taken advantage of by her own sister. You know, I say poor thing, but they also did a really horrible fucking thing. They did something True. that was absolutely terrible. So it's definitely a struggle of being like, do I feel sorry for them? Do I not feel sorry for them? Right. It's like mice and men. The guys, like, you know. Really France has always been gentle like. Gentle guy. But yeah. France things. has always been very like a uh, workers' rights type of place. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, we all saw what happened to French royalty. Yeah. Things got. Yeah. So. so one more day. One day more. <laughs> um, <laughs> so things got heated in France. So basically, when this happened. They were still at the point that they were just like, of course, these maids did this. Of course they did. Do you know what their lives are like? Do you understand what it's like to be a, a you know, a, a worker, a laborer? Yeah, there was a huge disconnect between the rich and the poor. The rich and the poor, basically, it's not unlike it is now, in all honesty. So the case had a huge impact on the community and was debated furiously. People considered that the murders had been the result of exploitation because the maids were working basically 14-hour days. They only received half a day off each week. Every day they were allowed like a two-hour break, but it was like after lunch. Mm -hmm. So after lunch, they get this like two-hour break. They don't get any time to do anything else because they're working like around the clock. Right, and they only got like one half day off. And they got one half day off a week. So, and they used that half day to go to church. Yeah, that was it. Basically, they're being worked to the bone. This isn't even like, that's not even like the abusive part. Like, if you were a maid, that's what you had to expect. Like, that's what you got being a maid. Um, you were just lucky if you didn't get beaten. Right. But they, but they were getting beaten. So... <laughs> They were getting beaten and yelled at and insulted. And this madam was like losing her mind slowly and just taking it out on these girls. So, yeah, people were like, well, yeah, she fucking had it coming. They both did. They're bourgeoisie assholes. Like they think they can just use people and then throw them away. A couple of bougie dicks. Right. That's the story of the Pepin sisters. Damn. Yeah. One thing that like me and David thought about, he was mm. like, when was she born? I'm like, 1905. Like, 19- no, Leia was born 1911. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, and when did she die? And I'm like, I believe it said 2001 or 2000. And he went, holy shit, she got to see cell phones. Right. And then I just started thinking about it. I'm like, oh my God, that must have been like, that must be nuts if like, you know, you're that old and you look back on what it was like before. Well, even in 1984, I mean, like, it it says, like, even if she died in 1984, that's a bunch of technology. She saw a man go to the moon. Right. 30 years after she killed Madame Leone. Exactly. Her daughter. 
that's why I was like thinking to myself, like, oh, that would literally be living through miracles. Right. Just one after another. And now, in this day and age, I, I'm getting mad because my phone is taking three seconds longer to access my text messages. <laughs> like, there's no longer little miracles. Right. I'm no, like, there's everybody's no, nobody's impressed anymore. I mean, I'm sure the next big thing will blow us all away. I'm continuously blown away. I just want there to be warp core engines. So. You're such a fucking Trekkie. I'm just, no, I'm just like waiting for something like that. You know, something that will let us go, um, you know, boldly More go where no space. one has gone before. <laughs> I think even if I was like 100 years old and I'm watching TV and they're like the first warp core engine, I would be happy and die right there. Being You'd like, be like, yes, hooray. I made it. I made it to warp core engines. Goodbye. I <laughs> know. That, yeah, I just don't. <sighs> was it a revenge story? I feel like it was. Kind of was. I mean, the madame. There was so. Bougie madame was, you know, give, popping them some good ones. Right. And like eventually they're... they were just like, this is for the working class. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's not what they said. But also, I know. But like, also, see, and this is where I kind of struggle. Like, I understand, like, yes, they have abuse and this and that, but like, I think even just like clunking them over the head, like dad done it. Good. They're dead. Leave it at that. But instead they decide to like stick around and do other things. Yeah. Like she was going to like cut off. Exactly. It's so, like cook, cook parts of it's just, it's hard to feel sorry for them when you like deep down, you're like, Oh no, um, they're, she's a psychopath. I yeah. don't feel sorry for you anymore. <laughs> but that's me. But yeah. Dang. Yeah, I know. Do you have anything nice or fun or happy to say? Let me see. Um, not gonna lie, that one that one kind of bummed me out. I know. It doesn't get any. Uh, it doesn't get any better the more you hear it. It was like my third time doing it. And we are gonna have to honestly make some sort of uh, music that for like hold music or intro music or whatever it is. What if, like, you know, in one of these episodes, we're just going to be like, we're no longer HQN or something else. Oh, my. This is all so fresh, you guys. This is the third episode. This is all just so new to this us. This third episode. So fresh. Mm. So, mm. 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 so it's fresh. a hot, fresh one. Hot. F- all no, right. Thank you. Here's this. Didn't like that. Hot, fresh one. That's a hot, fresh one. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. You ready? Yeah. This is uh, by David Freiberg, medical doctor. Doctor? Uh, doctor. <laughs> that was fun. MD, David Freiberg. Uh, he is the founder of an organization called Envision Kindness. In my exploration of how kindness connects people, it has become pretty clear to me that being kind to someone else uplifts both people and creates a positive link between them. Many times I have read how people feel good after they help someone through volunteering or even holding a door open, and I've felt it myself. If persuaded to explain why it feels good, it's clear that helping someone else or simply witnessing someone being kind sets off a series of changes in the brain, similarly to the release of endorphins, which are the internal opiates. Spiritually, of course, helping someone is the right thing to do. The biological connection between my spiritual understanding and how I feel suggests that nature has wired me to do so. My body is reinforcing slash rewarding these right things with pleasurable sensations. Pleasurable. Pleasurable. 
Similarly, the receiver also feels good because he or she has been acknowledged or valued. I like that. Yeah. So basically, what he's saying is that people are inherently hardwired to do good things. Good. Because it makes you feel good. Good. There is a something reward system. So there, it basically, when you are kind to other people, it uh, it rewards yourself. It gives you a little, a little like incentive. Yeah. A little, <laughs> a little, a little, a little kiss on your brain. Yeah. You want all? Oh, ooh, I have something for you. Ooh, you want to know okay. something really, really, really cute? Yes. So doctors have studied our brains and what happens when we look at something cute like a puppy or a kitten, and certain endorphins in certain parts of the brain light up. And they studied elephant brains. And those same endorphins and parts of the brain light up for them when they look at us. So they think that we're really cute elephants. Elephants, elephants think, think we're adorable. We're <laughs> elephants look at us and they become delighted and they think that we look as cute as a they're fucking like, kitten oh. or a puppy. Yeah, that's why they're so like gentle with us. Like when they reach down with their trunk, they just kind of like give us touches and pets. Because they're they literally just petting us. It's because they think that we're adorable. Oh, <laughs> I like that. That makes my heart really warm. <laughs> I just want to be. I'm, I want to be nestled. Yeah, elephants think elephant. you're cute, guys. And if that doesn't make you happy, I don't know what will. Because <laughs> honestly, All right. okay. So go look at some pictures of elephants and uh, do something kind for someone. Don't get a job as a maid and don't inject yourself with DMSO. Yeah, don't do that. So don't tell anybody that you didn't learn something today. There's a lot to learn. Most of it's nonsense. Yeah. Goodbye. Mm -hmm. <laughs>